Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a radio personality, podcaster, and creator and host of the award-winning public radio show, This American Life, which is broadcast on over 500 stations and heard by more than 2 million listeners. He is also the host and producer of the wildly popular This American Life podcast and the editorial advisor of the celebrated podcast, Serial. He's received several awards for his work, including the Edward R. Murrow Award. I've heard of him. The Polk Award in Radio Reporting. And the Academy of Arts and Letters Medal for Spoken Language. And in 2014, he was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. He's also a film producer with projects that include Unaccompanied Minors, featuring former guest Louis Black, Sleepwalk With Me, which he also co-wrote in the recently released Don't Think Twice. TV appearances include everything from The Late Show with David Letterman to Veronica Mars to The Simpsons to 30 Rock to American Dad as well as his own This American Life series on Showtime. But his many accomplishments pale compared to the single most impressive thing about him. The fact that he's seen me perform so many times, he can recite my act. Please welcome to the show a man way too respected and in demand to be spending time with us, Ira Glass. Wow. Well, that was quite an introduction. Very happy to be here. Welcome, Ira. Okay, let's get to the important stuff. Yes. Uh, you, you've you been watching me for years? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, when we moved to New York from Chicago years ago, one of the things that my wife wanted to do is she would hear comedians on the Howard Stern show, say, and they would always say, like, I'm going to be playing at Caroline's. She's like, what is this place, Caroline's, which is a comedy club in New York? She's like, as soon as we move to New York, that's where we're going. And, and basically, she and I have seen you, I don't know, easily four times, probably more. And um, just over the years, like I've noticed your act change, like you just changed it up in the last year. Before that, like you'd almost always open with the like, so you've seen me. Like, like <laughs> so now you've seen me. And then you'd imitate the people driving home, what they say to each other. Like, yeah, no, I saw him. Did you see him? I saw him. And then my very, fa- I can tell you my very favorite joke that you do or you did then. You, I, in your new act, you don't do the, the a lot of the stuff that I know. Um my very favorite joke is about why, I mean, I feel weird saying this to you, but like, I don't know why this one just kills me, but I just feel like there's something about it that's just like diabolically just gets to me, which is, which is about how butter, why does butter get its own apartment in the refrigerator? <laughs> like, I remember like, that bit. And then like, and then I feel like, yeah, and what, and it's sort of like, and you imitate all the other like uh, foods in the refrigerator, like, yes. whoa, out of the way, like, here comes butter, like, oh, it's own special place, you know, like, yeah, 
<laughs> Are you still doing that butter bit? I have. What do I ever throw? Away no, a bit? I was going to say. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing my whole bonanza bit next time I'm there. <laughs> I was telling Ira on the phone too that the the one that I fell in love with in the old days was the turtle with the plastic palm oh, tree. Yes. You bring that back? Yeah, I'll, I could bring it back next time. <laughs> I'm, I'm reminding gonna... you of things. You yes. <laughs> when you go to see him at Car- if you go to see him at Caroline's at the end of this month, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. all all this stuff will be added that he forgot. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a thing that you do at the end of of every show. You still do that. That I feel like I've tried. It's funny. I've been. I, I go around and I talk at public radio stations. So yes. you know, they do a fundraiser and people come out. I'll do a theater and I'll, I don't give a presentation. I'll play clips from our show and this and that. And, and they're like, you got to write a new speech. You got to write a new speech. So just this summer, I like wrote a whole new speech. I was like, I just want there to be a section like at the end of Gilbert's act where you just slam through one joke after another after another. <laughs> record. A man walks into a bar. A man goes to his doctor. A man goes, like, we just like slam through. And I was like, because I just want to do like one story after another, like every 45 seconds, just knock through a complete story, pause, and then just go into the next one. And honestly, I keep trying it. And like all the stories are too long. I'm like, I'm not getting it right like Gilbert does. <laughs> So I'm still I'm still working on on, on ripping you off with that one yes. little bit. That, yeah. that, it's just like masterful. That's like it's so like it's like I don't know when you do that. It's like machine gun fire pointed at the audience. It's it's so it's so great. So so one day I hope to see you on stage going. So this midget's fucking a hooker. <laughs> 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 you ever see him do the plankton bit with the squid where he takes the, the napkins? You still doing that? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. I used to do that at the seaport. Yeah. The old seaport. Oh. <laughs> Caroline's. <laughs> so nothing is retired. No. Okay. No. <laughs> also, you do so many different kinds of comedy in the course of a show. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's very, like, old-fashioned entertainment. It's like a variety show in itself where, like, there aren't many comedians tell a little story and then you'll do an old-fashioned joke and then you'll do an imitation then you do like i just feel like anything is fair game and it's different kinds of funny like some of it's really silly and some of it's like something else i don't know it's just like i just like it's just i'm just i enjoy it at exactly what it is like it's just a really fun show oh thank you how about that a guest that came in here and flattered you yeah that's that's so rarely (laughs) happens usually they get annoyed when i interrupt and also the fact that like you don't like i feel like i've seen so many shows where you'll just put your arm i mean people over the radio put your arm over your face and not (laughs) look at the audience like you can't face the caroline's crowd and then recite the act which i feel like i feel like there's something so personal being expressed like i don't know there's something very like very real about it at the same i don't know i don't know how to explain it like something like super like i feel like i feel like we're seeing inside your heart in those moments in some way and yet you're still out there to entertain the people i don't know it's just like it's i i i really i just appreciate it you ever close your eyes gill in the middle of one of those bits and forget which club you're in or city you're in oh my when god you- yeah <laughs> See, this is the thing. Like, I, I watch on TV where they'll show a politician, a rock star, and he'll go, hey, I love you, Oklahoma. And it's the, he's not in right, Oklahoma. Right. And I don't find that funny because, you know, 99% of the time, I don't know what club I'm in, <laughs> what state. I don't know any of Well, it's yeah, because you, like, you go in, you're there to do a job, and like, and then you're just trying to, like, get... Do the act, you know? Yeah. And, and all the insides of the clubs, I bet, look the same more or less. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah. But like, 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 but the whole idea of like not looking at the audience, like what's the, like what's happening? I don't know. I, I figure it. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) (laughs) you should do the thing where you just kind of clutch the mic. You'd fight, you'd close your eyes and you'd fight with the mic. I I still do that. Still doing that too. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ira, you're a comedy fan, obviously. Yes. And we're talking on the phone, and you grew up in Baltimore. Hey, or in fuck the suburbs. Him. Let's talk about me uh, some more. Well, <laughs> got to get to him eventually. You listen to Class Clown, George Carlin's classic album. You yeah, listen to I Steve like Martin the, albums. Yeah, you're like when I was a kid, those were, the big, those were the big comedy records for me, was was uh, Class Clown, was like, yeah, yeah. You grew up in the suburbs Yeah, of, I grew up in the suburbs Baltimore. of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, the very Jewish suburbs, super Jewish suburbs. Like there's street signs on some streets saying no parking on Saturdays and, and Jewish holidays. And like just tons and tons of Jews, like Fiddler on the Roof would come through every summer and my mom would take us. Oh, yeah, we were, we, Ira and I were on the phone, he told me that he saw Topol. And oh, Fiddler on the oh Roof. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see Fiddler on the Roof when you were a kid? I saw it. I think I saw it with this actor, Harry Goss. I don't know who that is. Yeah. He saw it with Herschel Bernardi. Wow. And Topol. I think so. Like, wow. like basically, there were so many Jews in Baltimore. A touring company would come through. <laughs> no, I saw it like the Mechanic Theater and the Painters Home Museum. Like every year we would be taken to see Fiddler on the Roof. I realized this because it's playing on Broadway, and I went to see it. I hadn't seen it since I was a teenager. I haven't seen it in 40 years. And I'm sitting in the theater, and I realized, like, oh, I don't just know the songs from the record, and I just don't know the punchlines, but I know, like, the setups to the punchlines and the ancillary dialogue. Like, we went and saw that show so many times. Like, I had the whole show memorized. I didn't realize it. I I wish somebody had filmed an extra fiddler with Zero Mostel in it. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. He's amazing. He's really, really amazing. And it's written for him, and you can tell the way the writing works. It's so made for, like, huge shtick. And what's interesting about the production that's happening now in New York is Danny Bernstein. Bernstein, I think, is his last name. He plays it with no shtick. He plays it as an utterly real guy. So oh, it's a totally yeah. different thing in a way because the, the guy is so normal-sized, um, which was really fun to watch, too. Anyway. We had Josh Mustel here. We had Zero Mustel's son oh, wow. on the show. And also, uh, recently, Ron Liebman, who worked with Zero in the Hot Rock. Wow. So we, we love to get the Zero Mustel anecdotes. That's what the, one of the fun things about this show is that we're talking to people who worked with these people, who worked with these guys. It's interesting. I just listened to recently the Zero Mustel, this hour-long interview that Zero Mustel did with Studs Terkel back in the 1960s. And uh, does struggle with the Chicago yeah. broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and one of the things that Zero Mostel does is he basically like puts down like the idea of like a realistic play. He just talked about how he hates them. He had a name for them that he called <laughs> them the Mishpachov plays. <laughs> where it's like where it's just like, ah, oh, it's just like somebody's family, or, like your family and stuff happens. And it's just like in your family, he just hated it. And he's like, he was like, I want larger than life. You know, and it's just like it's so I really like you never hear that kind of like defense of that and also such a put down of realistic capturing of of everyday life, which is exactly what, what my job is. I was like, oh, this guy would hate me. He would hate what I do for a living. Didn't we ask Josh why Zero wasn't in the film? Why Topol yeah, was in the I, film? I think he said something like, well, you know, my father was an asshole. He was difficult yeah. to, he was yeah. famously difficult to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. Appar- apparently he would do all sorts of stuff on stage that would annoy the writers. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that he yeah. Would, that he would that some days he would get very very yiddishy about it and throw in all sorts of yiddish phrases which the writers like and the director they're like no 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 we're trying to remain mainstream America like like we want like everybody to be able to get the jokes. 
And like, yeah, and he would kind of tone down when he felt like it. A yeah. real eccentric and blacklisted, famously. Yeah. 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 He would do shtick on stage a lot. Yeah, he would do shtick. Yeah. Yeah, he was out to entertain. What else you, did you, you watch? Know, you know what? what's interesting? Yeah. I didn't even have to jump in with the Jew stuff. Right, usually, I, usually <laughs> I'm the one that jumps in with any Jew stuff. Like, do you know that Olivia Newton-John is Jewish? How can that? That's the most un-Jewish <laughs> looking girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and both of her hyphenated names are not Jewish sounding. No. Like, do you know a Jew named Newton or John? Yeah, she had no. the, the grandfather, I guess. I yeah. think her. Yeah, we we had this on a previous show. Her grandfather was an was a uh, an award winning scientist, yeah. a, brilliant, a, a brilliant scientist. Yeah, but wow. the, so Jewish on her on her father's side. Yeah, on the grandfather's side. Yeah, but you've you've pointed out other people who were Jewish that uh, were yes. at, at least that's Cary Grant. Did you know really? That? No. Yeah, that yeah, Cary Grant's a Jew. I heard Fred Astaire. No, might even be come a Jew. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, his real name was Frederick Austerlitz. Ah. So there's, there's, he might have been a German Jew. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, and, but does he look Jewish? Do you think Fred Astaire looks Jewish? No, unless you put payas on him. I was going to say, unless he gained some weight. You put a little weight on that guy. I'm trying to like picture him at a, like a normal weight. I take pictures of him, and I draw payas and a beard. And, and then he looks yeah, Jewish. And then he looks very Jew. <laughs> Tanya Roberts. Oh, you know Tanya Roberts? from She's an obscure actress from no, Charlie's Angels and... He just picks these. This is a. She, is she one of the angels? She was one yeah, of the replacement she, angels. Really one of the, hot, one of the hot second girl. tier. <laughs> this is what he does on the show. Names come up and he takes pride. The funny thing is, you wait, take wait, so much pride in it and you're not yes. really that pious. <laughs> I don't see the connection. Is it your way of worshiping? It's yes. your way of like still staying in touch with your people? Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. I don't go to synagogue or anything. So you like have this. That, and I wasn't yeah. bar mitzvahed. Yeah. Now, now here's something. Uh, uh, segue from the Judaism to you're a big fan of the Poseidon adventure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. I can't wait for could, this segue. Could someone look this up? Could someone look this up? Uh, I heard a rumor. I don't believe it. I heard a rumor that Ernest Borgnine is Jewish. Could this be possible? <laughs> oh, Dara, you want to you want to look that yeah, up? No, for is there us? somebody in the control room with yeah, the internet? Dara okay. will look yeah, that yeah, up. I'm going to Jewel right now. Yeah, I would totally believe he's a Jew. Oh, that okay. Guy. Wouldn't you? Yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. He always struck me as Italian, but uh, I think he was Italian. He was considered for the for the Vito Corleone role. Oh yeah, yeah. So was Rod Steiger and Anthony Quinn. Oh, that's right, and Frank Sinatra. Correct. Glad none of them happened. Don't know oh, about yeah. Borgnine. Well, red buttons, of course. Yeah. In, wait, in the Poseidon adventure. Wait, Red Button yes. was a Jew? <laughs> yes, he is. Oh, my. He hit he it very well. All right, Gilbert. Uh, yes. I have bad news from in here. Oh. Ernest Board 9 is, comes up under commonly mistaken for Jewish who are not. Actually, Italian-American star of McHale's Navy. There you go. One of mine. Okay. Well, then I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Explain but your. He was good friends with Red Button. There you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Explain yeah. your. your he, would, he would bring Red Button. Red Red Buttons to his exclusive club. Oh yeah. 
Well, golf around, and yes. you know, but then you got to go. Yes, you can't eat at the restaurant. Yes. Red, red, red button's sister held my hand on a plane once. Really? That's, uh, apropos of nothing, but. Wait, tell- wait, 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 wait. How did you establish she was Red Button's sister? <laughs> was- and was she holding your hand uh, oh. because she was nervous? No, because I was nervous, Ira. I'm ashamed to admit I'm a bad flyer. And I was in my 20s, late 20s, and she said, oh, it's nothing. And it was a, kind of a rough, bumpy landing. And she said, talk to me, talk to me. You just occupy your mind. What do you do? And I said, I'm, I'm a comedy writer. And she said, oh, my brother's a comedian. Maybe you've heard of him. Red Buttons. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Rose That's- Schwatt. Oh, was her name? He was. She passed away. He was Aaron Schwatt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's all I got. Do you know? I remember. It st- stays with me to this day because it's one of those things where I think this is why I want to be in show business. Uh I was reading about the making of this Irwin Allen movie. Uh I think it was something like the last day. Oh, when or, time ran out. When time ran out. Yeah, that's, that's the it. last. The last one. And and it had all the usual people there. And and they did a whole description talking about how Red Buttons was at the uh was at the uh, I'm already forgetting the name of the table with the food that Oh well, craft the, services. Craft services. He was at craft services picking out food and uh Jacqueline Bissett came in and he said, Hi, you gorgeous and she said, Hi, Red and then Ernest Borgnine screamed out, hey, Red, leave some of that food for the rest of us. And I thought, this is why I want to be in show. <laughs> because it seemed like, oh, it's like people and they know each other yes. and they tease each other and it's a community and they like and they're all famous and they have a thing. Yeah. And yeah, they're all friends. And and I, I mean, I remember uh, Siskel and Ebert used to say about some movies uh, this movie, uh, a, a movie about these actors sitting together having lunch would have been a much better movie than than the one what they were reviewing. Oh, that's and interesting. I, but that whole idea of like of like people in show business are like chums with each other. Yeah. I feel like that was like a part of of like you would just see that more like even the old Tonight Show, like the really old like Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Don't you feel like so yeah. much of the environment of that show was they would bring out one guest and then the other guests would stay there and they would interact with each other. Yes. And th- it had this feeling of like, oh, people in show business are all like their buddies sort of and they know each other and there's like a thing. There was like a, there was like a club to it. And, and yeah. always on the Benny show. Uh, Rochester would go, uh, you know, he'd go, you know, who's at the door, Rochester? And it, it would be like, well, why do you know? It's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean with the Carson show. The old Dean Martin roast, you always got that sense, too, that everybody oh, that yes. everybody knew each other. Yeah. But it was it was not the case. I yeah. don't think Ruth Buzzy was hanging out with Orson Welles. I was just going to say Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So where did the, the obsession with the, the Poseidon Adventure begin? Well, the Poseidon Adventure was was a movie like when we were when I was uh, when I was uh, 12 or 13, we took one of our first vacations as a family 
we went to Florida and we stayed in a hotel where there was a cable cable TV in the hotel, which was new then in the early 70s. And so there would be just movies playing all day long. But it was such an early version of cable. They would just play the same movie over and oh, over yeah. on like the hotel channel. And the movie that played was, was The Poseidon Adventure, which is like a perfect movie to see over and over as a kid. Because like there's the before and there's the after oh, yeah. and it's super dramatique. You know yeah, what I mean? Yo, like, yes. It's like so many like crazy scenes and like Gene Hackman like sacrificing himself at the end when he's hanging on the like the, the oh. steam turn oh, valve yes, yeah. yes. and making a speech to God like, oh, you killed Mrs. Rose. You killed Mrs. Rosen, but wasn't good enough for you, was it? And you killed this one. and It wasn't good enough for you. Well, why don't you take me? Huh? Why don't you take me? And then he drops and he falls to oh, his fiery yes. death. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> like it's like one scene after another like that. We didn't ask you to fight for us. But damn it, don't fight against us. Leave us alone. How many more sacrifices? How much more blood? How many more lives? And there's there's the classic... uh Shelly Winter swimming. Why is that so memorable? I feel I like that's, don't know. I feel like that's the first place my mind goes when I think of that movie. And then like in the other place it goes like, yeah, there's something about like her because it's so weird to see somebody swim who's her. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> the first thing that pops into my head is uh is um uh uh what Stella Stevens in the white underwear. Yeah. You remember that? Yes, and she's climbing. And... I don't even remember that. I was too young. Oh, I was too oh young. Like, I don't, that that made no impression. Yeah, at she's all. in a man's yeah. shirt. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Now yeah. that you say this, I remember it. Yeah, yeah man's shirt and and little white underwear. And now I was that you like, say it, I oh totally remember. God, you know, you know why I think that the 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 Shelley Winters thing is it, like it sticks in your head. It's because she's a really good swimmer in that scene. Yes, she's amazing. She gets underwater and she's just like moving. She she's trained a big with an lady. Olympic swimming coach. Is that true? Yeah. How do you know something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Like already, you've named people who didn't get the part for the Godfather yes. movie, and then you know that's like that's off-screen knowledge. It's my job, Ira. What can I say? So yeah, no, she like she gets underwater and she really moves down there, and like and she's like pretty yes. graceful, yeah. and you're just like oh. And there is a scene where Ernest Borgnine yells at red buttons. Like, why don't you shut up? Or <laughs> yeah, there it's is. It totally great. is. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, I'll tell you the truth. I think Poseidon Adventure is a better movie than Titanic. I'm with you. Yeah. It is. It's more fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Titanic is is uh is kind of slow. Oh, it is. And you know the ending from the beginning. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No and, surprise uh, there. Yeah, like I feel like Poseidon Adventure has the will to entertain. In a way that the Titanic is so impressed with itself. Oh, yes. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Are you with us on this? I'm with you. I'm, I'm fantasizing. I'm imagining that, that Irwin Allen had that Titanic's budget. Oh, and could yeah. have And wasn't doing things on the cheap. Yeah. Like he had to in 1972. Oh, really? Was that a cheap movie? I, I To me, I thought like they, they turned a boat upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be and, sometimes I'll be in a room and I'll picture what it looks like upside down still to oh. this day. Like you'll be in like, yeah, especially like a fancy you picture like, oh, if you turn the whole thing upside down, like from the, the, that scene in that movie. Do you remember the poster? Hell upside down. And those old movie posters where they used to have all the stars, faces and boxes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. On the poster. 
in those days when movies had those all-star casts and you had to put everybody's face oh, yeah. wait, wait, wait. on the poster? And, and, and in the poster for this, what did they do? What, what? It's just Hackman and Borg 9. And they're, it's they're, all of them along the yeah, bottom. Yeah, they're all along the bottom with, yeah. the, with the big hell, hell upside down tagline. Yeah, it's great. I saw it in the days when you could see the same movie every day in a theater. Oh, yes. They would just show the same thing over and over again all day. You remember? Well, wait, wait, wait. Oh, that yeah. happens in theaters today. No, no, what are you yes, talking yes. about? <laughs> Have you been to a movie theater? <laughs> so, okay, when you... Okay, let's say... Let me just walk you through I this. Yes. When you... Gilbert, help me here. When you go to the 2 o'clock show, Frank, they show the movie again at 4 o'clock. No, no. It's no, not, was, they... Sh- I, <laughs> No, you, was, you see, you go in. I, I know. At, I got, at, <laughs> it's one o'clock. You see Titanic. Four o'clock. Evan and Costello meet the mummy. <laughs> I was thinking of something else. What were you? Wait, 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 what were you thinking of? I was talking about when the, in the Cross Bay Theater in Queens, you used to be able to see the like the Planet of the Apes movies. You would see all of them in one day. Oh, now and- that's what I was talking about. But it didn't make any sense in this context. <laughs> we'll cut it. Oh yeah, we. You, Wait, you gonna <laughs> cut that? Wait, we we. Yeah. <laughs> you you missed uh, Star Wars, but now we're having kooks in a castle with the three stooges. <laughs> were, were you also a fan of the Poseidon Adventure sequel, the Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, with Michael Caine and Sally Field? I don't think I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see it? A terrible, yeah. I unfortunately. think I've seen bits and pieces. It was pretty bad. And yeah. then there was Poseidon with Kurt Russell a couple of years oh ago. Oh my God! And Richard Dreyfuss. Right. Yes. Yeah. So they went. They went to the well a couple of times. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. In the towering inferno. Mm-hmm. There's who's the uh, football player? Simpson. Uh, but is he the one? No, there's another guy, a really big guy, and he pulls up an elevator by himself. Wait, he? You mean he holds under the he cable? He holds and it, the cord, and then he pulls and the elevator pulls <laughs> off the elevator with <laughs> people in it. He pulls the elevator. That's up. brilliant. I don't it's remember that. Great. I don't remember that. Well, OJ is in that film. He, he That's is. one of OJ's oh, yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah. I don't remember that scene. Richard Chamberlain, I remember, and William oh, Holden. Oh yeah, and of course Newman oh, and oh, McQueen. Faye, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Yeah, Robert Vaughn in that one. I mean, oh, he could be. Maybe. He popped up in a lot of those. Maybe. Yeah. Are you into those things? Those Irwin Allen disaster movies, or just the Poseidon Adventure? Just the Poseidon Adventure. Like, like I definitely saw the Towering Inferno, but then I didn't do the whole. I didn't stay for the whole genre. In fact, I don't even know what the other ones are. What? Like, what? <laughs> oh, I saw Air, Airport was the first one, right? Right, but that one's not an Irwin Allen. He made. Oh, it's not. No, that was the probably the first big disaster flick. Right. Yeah. Right. He made the, the Towering Inferno, the Poseidon Adventure, the Swarm. The one about the oh, killer bees. Oh, my God. Did that have Henry Fonda? <laughs> yes, and yes. Olivia de Havilland. And... Wow, Henry Fonda was in yes. one of those yes. things? Yes, and Michael Caine yeah. again. Wow. Yeah, and then he made, uh, what's the other one? The one you're referring to is called When Time Ran Out. Oh, When Time Ran Out, With that's right. Jacqueline Bissett. Yes. And Paul Newman again. Oh, yeah. Collecting a check. And Burgess Meredith. Ah. Always good. Yeah. Always good. Anything anything Burgess Meredith in, he brings he brings the A game. Always good. I'm a I'm a big fan of of Mice and Men, the original one. I did. I've never seen the original. Wow. One. And he's in that. Yeah, you should see it in a, in a theater because afterwards they show the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now no one's gonna know what that means. Well, no, yeah, you gotta leave in the earlier bit. You gotta uh, leave it. <laughs> we have to leave that in. We had that's too good. <laughs> A theater that shows the same oh, movie God. more than once. I a was day. thinking of something else entirely. <laughs> you gotta leave that in. Because I'll be doing callbacks. <laughs> and so, does he play Lenny? Does he play the return? Uh, he plays George. Lon Chaney Jr. is Lenny. Right. Oh, it's worth seeing. Okay. Go ahead, Gil. Go to your okay. notes. Lon <laughs> <laughs> Chaney Jr. is not Jewish. No. Al, Al Jolson Jewish. How did you find that out? Oh, uh, he's he's, yeah. a, he's a cousin. Oh, is it obvious? He's oh right. He was. He was yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, the right, jazz yeah. singer. Right. That's the plot of the jazz singer. Yes. Right. Now this is the secret information I'm giving you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a distant cousin, so I can totally vouch for it. You've heard that it's true. Yes. <laughs> he's a distant cousin. Al yeah. Jolson? Yeah. This is he really? Wow. My, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This has been explained to me. Can, yeah. Can you do an Al Jolson invitation? <laughs> no, that's very no, cool. I cannot. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Can you do that whistling part when he does Sue Sue Susie? There may okay. be a question coming here. Ira. Okay. Oh. Oh. Here. Here. Since we're on to the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> your Jewish parents. Yeah. Shockingly. Didn't want you to go into radio. They wanted you to become a doctor. Yes, and they hold on, held on to that for a really long time. Like, like I was in my 40s before they finally said, like, okay, you don't have to become a doctor. Like, you win. Now, now, but didn't they realize at your 40s you hadn't had any medical training? Well, there really was a sense of, like, you could still do it. You could still go back to school. Like, there really was, like, oh like up through my God. 30s. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when you were 70, you could <laughs> yeah, finally, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I finally get my MD. No, no, they really, they, 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 they I mean, they were just, like, I don't know. Like, I, I was broke for a long time working in public radio, and they're just like, you're never going to be able to afford a house. You're never going to be able to have kids. You're never going to be – like, they, and, and they were they were people who came in – like, they were broke when they were kids. Like, they both came from families where there was no money, and they kind of made it into the middle class, made it to the suburbs, and they just felt like I was throwing it away. And, uh, and yeah, no, they really wanted me to be a doctor. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it's funny, like, the, the thing that made them give up on that – was the very fr- <laughs> I remember this so clearly like it was the very first time I was on television it was it was uh it was it was I was 41 and I was a guest on Letterman I had never been on television before and uh and you know just like did a like a thing promoting the radio show on on the Letterman show and at the end of that, I talked to my mom, and she's like, "Okay, forget it. All right, you win. <laughs> <laughs> You're legit now." <laughs> yeah, it was finally like, yeah, yeah, like, 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 yeah. They were, they were not. My, I've said this before. My parents are the only Jews in America who hate public broadcasting. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. See, I, I understand your parents' point of view now. As you get older, you do think that way. Because, like, when I start out doing comedy, I thought. I, I was a fucking idiot, you know, thinking I could make it in show business. And now, rationally, I think, oh, my God, what what the fuck were you doing in show business? And did your parents want you to do something else? Oh, yeah. they that, Well, I think they thought that was like another one of my idiotic ideas in my head. But he was only that, 15. Yeah. When he started doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was it was weird. And were they Jewy Jews? Because my parents they didn't. Because my parents didn't have any like. That's a new. Our sponsor this week is Jewy Jews. They come in all fruit flavors. Get 
yourself a pack of Jewy Jews. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 did they go to synagogue and stuff? Because my parents, because my parents, they were like, they didn't go to synagogue. They weren't raised Jewish, and then they're just like, you guys. They said to my sisters and I, we want you to have the Jewish education we never had, and sent us to Hebrew school, and you know, so we would go three days a week to Hebrew school. See, I, I had no nothing Jewish education. I wasn't bar mitzvahed. Yeah. None of that. Again, stuff. were your parents yeah. did, but did your parents did they keep a kosher house or anything like that? Uh, no, Nothing. no, no. We ate bacon. We yeah, ate we did ham. Too. Yeah, and um, I I remember like I always think I'm I don't know when the holidays are. I don't follow them, but I know I'm a Jew because if the Nazis came back and rounded us up, I'd be there with everybody else. Yeah, that's true. So this comedian Stewie Stone from uh, oh yeah we, yeah Stewie from, from the Friars Club yeah from the Friars Club he's about a hundred and eight and he said oh so you're a boxcar Jew <laughs> that's <laughs> and I thought that's it I'm a boxcar Jew <laughs> I like that I like it there's like the Orthodox conservative reform yeah. then boxcar one yeah. level down yeah. Are your folks still around? I mean, have they gotten to see all of this success? Uh, yeah, my mom passed, but oh, but sorry. she passed recently enough I'm that like, she saw that like yeah that it all worked out. The yeah, Sim- yeah, the yeah. Simpsons and all that cool stuff. Some of it, yeah, some of it. Cool. She saw some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you achieved amazing success. Surprising yeah. for me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, talking to you. I think how could he make it in anything? Thank but- you. <laughs> <laughs> how does a schlub like this? I know. Make what are, it- what is his what's his talent? He can't do the imitations, he couldn't do the whistling. I'm setting him up here. I'm giving him prime material. He I'm doesn't take you, it. I give you gold. You give me gold. I'm not just like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Were you into radio? Were you a fan of of, of old radio? We just the only radio that honestly that I loved, like there, there were two things that were on the radio when I was a kid that I loved. Well, three things. And and one was Chicken Man. Do you remember Chicken Man? Chicken Man. Oh, my God. Chicken Man was this phenomenon all across all across uh, radio in the 60s, starting in 1966. There were these little two-minute Batman parodies, and they were really funny. They were really, really funny. Um, and then And then there was a thing called CBS Mystery Theater that was on – it was, I think, the last network radio drama with E.G. Marshall hosted, and there wow. were these creepy stories. And every time I would hear it, I would think, like, I don't really like this. And I'd be like, well, that one was pretty good. And then the third radio thing that I was into was uh, there was a disc jockey when I was growing up in Baltimore on WFBR on an AM station. And he was kind of like an early pre-Howard Stern shock jock. And he was like this incredibly well-known, super popular figure um, like he got married downtown and, and, and the mayor married him and his wife, like in a, this huge ceremony that tens of thousands of people came to. And I wrote jokes for him. My first job in radio, actually, I was, I wrote jokes. I was not good at it for, for Johnny Walker. I'd drive down to WFBR in the morning and drop off 20 jokes and watch him do a show for a little while and then, and then, and then leave. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, but, but no, but m- most people, like I wasn't into radio. It was the sixties. I was into TV. Like I watched TV, you know? And you have a story about uh, crashing uh, the set of a famous television show? Oh, yeah. I talked in my early days as a, as a radio producer. I talked my way onto the set of MASH. How'd you do that? I just said, like, I've, well, I was like, I basically was like a low-level production assistant. Let me think for a second. Um, I mean, I was 21, maybe 20. 
Um, and uh, MASH had been on the air for a long time. And I was working as like a production assistant at All Things Considered, the network news show that NPR does in the afternoons. And, um, you know, I wrote them a letter saying like, uh, you know, I want to do a story about this thing. And uh, and they're like, great. They, were, they I mean, they were public radio fans. I think that's why. They like they liked public radio. And so then I was on the set of MASH just in way over my head and just, just totally – and everybody there was like super gracious. And I had never been on a – TV set like I had you know like I and I was too broke to even rent a car so I'm like in Los Angeles staying at like a friend of a friend's apartment and I would just have to like walk to the bus from the Fox lot and I would like <laughs> sad <laughs> and uh and uh and yeah and I, I just was doing the worst interviews ever with these incredibly gracious very kind people who were just like they who just didn't you know realize that, like oh they were going to get like a kid who didn't know what he was doing yeah, it was really like a lesson, people being nice to somebody who they had no reason to be nice to. Now, what did you learn as far as interviewing goes over the years? Oh, my God, so much. I mean, I mean, the interviews that I do now are so much about about like getting a person to tell me a story and then getting them to like just say some thought about the story, some interesting thought about like what happened. And so and so so it's basically getting them to lay out the plot of the thing and tell the story well and hit all the beats of it. And 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 a lot of it is just actually just being like expressing like actual curiosity. Like I'm actually interested in other people. I'm actually interested to hear what happened to them. I'm nosy. And uh, and and a lot of it is just channeling that and then and then just understanding kind of like when to let people talk and when to cut them off and just kind of come in and nudge them this way and that way and when to joke around with them. There's a lot of that. I, I've noticed with interviewers, my favorite thing is when they're interviewing someone and the interviewee goes, oh, well, you know, I, I uh, was born in Paris. I, I lived there uh, most of my life. And then the next question is, so uh, you filmed a movie in Paris. Have you ever been there before? Huh. And it's like they, it's like the Komodo dra- the uh, the Bob and Ray sketch oh, with the yes, Komodo dragon. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How does that go? I don't know that sketch. Well, Bob's it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's Ray is interviewing Bob, and he keeps he's a Komodo dragon expert, and he's telling him the Komodo dragon is native to Sumatra, and it was a donation from the from the premier, and he, he says so. And where where are these animals from? And he says, as I, oh, well, I, was, I was saying, they're native. To, <laughs> it's a gift. In fact, you can see one at the Columbus Zoo. And he says, now, if we wanted to take the kitties to see the Komodo dragon, where would we? T- it's, a, it's a brilliant bit. You know that bit. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, I'm sure you get interviewed by a lot of people who are not the greatest interviewers, right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, and, and it's like, I... I, I also love when someone's being interviewed and they'll talk and they'll say, you know, I once took a gun and killed a man. And then the interviewer goes, so what are you working on now? And it's like, <laughs> wait, 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 I want to hear this. Well, you, you also hate that Leno thing, you know, where the, where the talk show with the, the, the canned question. Yeah, well, those like Leno always used to ask these. And a lot of the interviewers do this, and where Leno used to go, don't I hurt somewhere that uh, you were stuck in an elevator with a gorilla? And I go, where, where did he hear this? <laughs> Was this in the papers? Did he overhear people talking on the subway? Where? <laughs> well, Carson was good at it. Oh, yes. Carson could do it sort of subtly. Yeah. Somebody told me. 
Yeah, he, yes, he, yeah, yes. He would say and just work it in. But Jay was not so. Yeah. Wait, so he, would really, he would really say somebody told me. Yeah. He wouldn't just say like, "No." When you talk to our producer on the phone yeah. <laughs> yesterday, he, no, he was, somebody told me that you you have a, a fetish for. Uh, huh. uh, yeah, yeah, Carson could toss it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone told me. Uh, he had a yeah, gift then, for it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of this American life. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the show you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on the radio, and uh, yeah. There's so many great episodes. This one really caught my attention, and it's the uh, when we talked about it. It's the the, the Sullivan, the fateful Sullivan show. Yeah, the night the Beatles, February 9th, nineteen sixty four. Yeah, yeah. We we interviewed this couple, um, uh, Mitzi and um, oh my god, Mitzi and Charlie, Mitzi and Charlie. Yeah, and they were a comedy act. They were like a up up and coming comedy act in a kind of like. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, they were a married couple who did sketches like yeah, Stiller and Mirror. Yeah. Stiller and yeah. Mirror. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. and um, they're still around. And uh, anyway, they get booked on the on the on uh, they get booked on the Ed Sullivan show, and they're like, "This is the most amazing thing that could happen to us." It's it's a career making moment for them, and uh, and they're like, "Who are the other guests?" And they're like, "Frank Gorshin is going to be on." They're like, "Oh my god, Frank Gorshin! We're going to be on with Frank Gorshin. It's incredible," and um, and they go. And uh, and they work out a whole thing, and they just describe the whole day. And and uh, Ed Sullivan sees them during the rehearsal and hates the thing that they prepared and makes them do a whole different thing. Yeah. And so they're totally stressing out about that, and they're in the dressing room, and uh, and uh, and and they say that like when they came to the theater to 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 tape the show, that there was a huge crowds in the street, and they're like, and they're like, God, people really are into Frank Gorshin. Yeah, I love like, that. <laughs> And yeah, and like, and and then basically, that. like, it's the it's the night the Beatles are on the Ed Sullivan show. They had no idea, and then till it like until it happened, then like the Beatles go on and like you know brings down the house record ratings, and then everyone in America sees them bomb. They bomb, oh. and uh, and uh, yeah, and and are completely forgotten. And yeah, and that's that's their day. Yeah, and in the radio piece, like one of the lovely things about it is like we totally withhold the fact that it's going to be the night the Beatles are on. Like we, you, you find out when they do. It was like great. they just tell the whole story and, of like the plot of it is just like we're going to make our careers and like it's not going so great and Ed Sullivan doesn't like us and what's going to happen and then like basically then the Beatles show up. Like and the, the theme story, of that show was the big break. The big, their big, yeah, their big yeah. break. And yeah, we had Marty Allen. Wow, on the podcast and Allen and Rossi. Were also on Sullivan with the Beatles. Really? Yeah. On that, on that, probably on not the that first one. one. Yeah. The second one. Yes. The second, second one. yeah. One of the weird things that they said is that Davy Jones, who was in the Monkees later, he um, he w- was on that episode of the, of, uh, of Ed Sullivan. He he, he was in a, he was in a Broadway play. Oh, is it Oliver? It was Oliver. As Oliver? Yeah. yeah. And and so he was one of the stars of the play Oliver on Broadway, the musical Oliver. So he sang one of those songs from Oliver, and then he stood in the wings and watched like kids going crazy for the Beatles and and he said later like he's like I'm switching Th- oh, what they're doing that's what I yes. gotta do and then and then like basically was one of the guys who was in the monkeys wow yeah 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 and um yeah Sullivan really threw them I mean they, he said that well you know the house is full of 14 year old girls and your bit is too sophisticated and they're not gonna understand it and I mean it you know yeah <laughs> and like, the, the saddest part is that they're, you're interviewing Charlie and, and Mitzi, and, and and Charlie says, I, I swear I heard someone in the audience say, get them off. Oh, right. yeah. In the middle of the – and yeah. then their agent doesn't call them for six months because it was just so – the bomb was just so – Wow. Yeah, it was kind of career-ending 
for a long period of time. Yeah, they them. recovered. I mean, she became a, a sitcom writer of yeah. note, and and he was a and he was a I, working I, actor. I worked with him. Oh, no kidding. On yeah, on an episode of uh, Silk Stockings. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And was he a regular on that show? Was he, he was. like yeah? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Huh. I mean, they came. They were super nice. They came back. They came back. Yeah. yeah, you should have them on. I feel like they're going to know a lot more about old showbiz than, than I do. We sure. actually should have them on. They're on, yeah. they're on Facebook, Charlie and Mitzi. So he could be like the second guy I worked with on Silk Stockings. The other was John Biner. That's right. Yeah. Huh. All right, let's take a moment, a quick moment, just to talk about a new sponsor, Gil. No, we're right in the middle of a conversation. We can't do that. As part of Chicago's second city, the alma mater of comedic geniuses like Tina Fey and Bill Murray and Stephen Colbert and Cecily Strong, the Harold Ramis Film School is the first film school in the world dedicated entirely to comedic storytelling. Did you ever meet Harold Ramis, the great director? He came in once to see me at Caroline's at the Seaport. Uh, It's an honor. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Groundhog Day, Caddyshack. With the initiative of teaching students how to utilize improv skills in collaborative filmmaking, this year-long program offers courses in screenwriting, comedy theory, film production, and improv, as well as master seminars led by top entertainment professionals. So whether you're just graduating from high school, you're looking for a career change, if you love comedy and you love content creation, the Harold Ramis Film School is the film school for you. The deadline to apply for the fall season is February 1st. Only 15 students will be chosen, but applications are accepted on a rolling basis. So new students will start every three months. People of all experience levels and backgrounds are encouraged to apply and scholarships are available. Visit the Ramitz Film School. Com for more information. That's R A M I S Filmschool.com. Now back to the show. Another great episode was the Sinatra episode. Oh, yeah. The, like the, I, the, I, there, were, there were two, right? There was the 100th, the 100th uh, birth. I mean, basically, we went back for Sinatra's 100th birthday and we remade the episode we had made while he was still alive. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I grew up listening to Frank Sinatra. My dad would play him around the house all the time. That was probably, the like, next to, like, music, Broadway show tunes, albums, like, the music that my parents were playing the most was Frank Sinatra, uh, playing it all out. Like, I know that stuff backwards and forwards. And um, and, and he's such an interesting, he's such an interesting figure. We played a lot of, of, of the recordings of, like, the Rat Pack on stage and what their old nightclub act was like. There are these really wonderful recordings you can get. Where it is just like a night of their act in like 1962 in yeah. like a club in Chicago or a club in Vegas, and just hearing like like the shtick that they're doing, and obviously we're doing every night with each other, um, is fascinating. Like it's so it's it's a machine. The the Villa Venice, I mean, is the one that's on the that you guys did. Yeah, the, the, the so six, good. from 62, and they're yeah. and they're 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 being so unkind to Sammy. <laughs> well, it's I mean, so, roughing them up. They're roughing him up and they're roughing him up. Like the stuff that the race stuff that they do yeah. is you would never you would never see white and black performers do today. And the fact that like the number that Sammy and Frank would do is like unimaginable for like a white and black performer to do today. They just they sing me and my shadow. Oh my god. Well, you've heard some of these yeah. clips. Oh yes. When, yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they would always pick Sammy up and go, I'd like to thank the NAACP <laughs> for this right. award. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> wow, oh, I didn't know that oh, joke. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like in the and there's a lot of like there's a whole bit where like Dean Martin is going like I'll drink with you, like I'll I'll play around with you, like I'll play golf with you, I'll go to bar mitzvahs with you, but don't touch me. <laughs> and it's like a lot of like stay away from me, black man. There's a lot of like jokes just about the fact that a black man is on the stage with yes. white guys. Like it's so new. Like that that is the thing they keep talking about. And it reminds me of this thing. If you said my my sister and I, my little well, my whole family, but my little sister and I, especially when we do this, we saw Rickles perform in oh, Vegas yes. like three or four years ago. Oh, what was like, that very like? Very recently. The black guy in the third row. Well, he's still <laughs> That's doing exactly it. what he does. He's still doing it. Like like he's still doing it. And like and like it was weird. Like like it was really like it was uncomfortable. Like he would he would pick out a guy that was like a super well dressed, obviously very rich black guy like who they seated right downstage and and Rickles starts going into this whole thing about like what's your name Tyrone is your name Tyrone and like the audience is like crickets and Rickles is like he's yeah. like he's like he, and Rickles starts saying like well you know just come in here to pick people's pockets like these are the jokes that he's doing and like it's just total crickets and and it's just like like he just no one in the room was having the like anxieties the feelings that he was having of like oh my god there's a black man here in the room with us it was really fascinating well, Rickles was at some event where he made a joke about President Obama and <sighs> he goes but I don't want to insult uh, President Obama. He's a good friend of mine. He was over my house yesterday. Then his mop broke. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing that he's still getting away with that. Well, I mean, there was a point in the in the, in the thing where, like, like you know, he wasn't getting laughs on some of this stuff. Like, for some of it, like, some of the audience was sort of, like, laughing partly out of nervousness and just, right. like, what is happening? But there was a lady who was sitting down very close. And I remember he pointed to her because we say this to each other sometimes on the radio show. He pointed to her and he's like, lady, look, this is the act. If you don't like this, like, this is the act. <laughs> This is the show. If you don't like the show, you don't have to stay for the show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he did a limitation of her sitting there with her arms crossed. He's like, this is the show, lady. I don't know what you're, you're going to get. I was like, yeah. So sometimes like my senior producer and I, like we're, we're talking about something, right? it's, it's, or you have to deliver the bad news. Like, I'm sorry, this isn't going to be on. This is the show. You got to deal with it. This is the show we're going to do. You make a great point in that show because you're talking about how someone, how, how such beauty can be coupled with such vulgarity. That he was that he was well, both. That's the he, thing about him that's so mesmerizing. Yeah, that Frank Sinatra was like was like so many guys wrapped up in one guy. You know, like he would punch out a photographer, and yet like he would croon these like incredibly vulnerable songs. Like, and I and reading up on it, like I read, like people people like you know one of the things about him was that people would think like he had to be a tough guy because he was like because he was being so vulnerable on stage. He felt like he had to prove like I'm a real guy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then yeah, like and so like sort of vicious to the calmness at the time. Oh, Dor- and, like, Dorothy in that that he, recording. He had a whole set oh, of bits yeah. on Dorothy, Dorothy Kilgallen. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think just, he called it a chinless wonder. Yeah, but it's and it's yeah. all yeah, it's it's nasty and personal. How, how, well, it's yeah. not just like how ugly she is. And yeah. again, you, you can't imagine like a comedian just like going on about how ugly a person is. Like it's just not I don't know. It's it's yeah. Yeah, it's really, really something. Yeah, like, and, and th- but that is what's so fascinating about, about him is yeah. that he's not somebody who you feel like you can predict what he would be at any given, any given uh, moment. I love the Sarah Val thing too, where she's uh, she's she's basically lobbying for the, before he passes away for yeah. the networks to. There's a, a humorous Sarah Val is uh, uh, frequently on uh, on uh, Irish show, and she's she's begging the 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 local news when you do Frank Sinatra's obit, don't lead with my way. 
anything but uh, my oh, way. Yeah. She's like, it's his worst song. He hated it himself. Don't do it. You know, and of, and course, then she, of course they did. They, yeah, did they totally did it. But then another thing everyone admired about Sinatra was that that fascination with the mob. Yeah. You know, everyone loved that. Like, oh, he's in with all these big killers and gangsters. Well, it's true. It just made him seem like it, it just it just made him mythic. You know what I mean? Like all those things just made him so, so mythic. And like and his like really like I didn't know this when I was a kid, but like like by the 60s, his, like his star was kind of going down. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like like and he totally had to like bring it back um, and reinvent himself like over and over. Well, he. Uh, this is one we'll have to play on the show one of these days. What's that? It's when when all those guys who are trying to be uh, relevant. Oh, the, oh, when he was doing bad, bad Leroy Brown yeah, and that kind he, of stuff. He also did um, Mrs. Robinson. Oh yes, I've I'm heard that. Familiar and, with yeah. it. You cuckoo bird, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, ding, yeah. ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always wondered if you're Paul Simon, you've, you you must be on some level flattered. Oh, my God. Because it's course. Sinatra. Of course. But at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, get him drunk. Get Paul Simon on here and get him drunk and, and ask him. And the funny thing is, when Sammy Davis Jr. died, he was back to being like the king of show business, and we love him, everything he did was... But he had fallen into that thing where everyone made fun of him, going, you know, with the yeah, I guess that's Nehru true. jacket and the peace sign. And, yeah, 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 that's true. And giving the fist in the air and trying to be still hip with the kids yeah yeah when he was way too old for that yeah that's really true I, I, that's right i never thought about that i don't i have such a soft spot for for sammy davis jr i feel like he was always like i don't know he's super fun to watch and just I, oh yeah, he, yeah. he was a great performer yeah but people would make fun of that like hey right on baby <laughs> yeah yeah well he became a, bit, a little self-parodying oh yeah toward the end yeah and okay here's the story of sammy davis what was it? Uh, oh, you were you were trying to think if it was Jeff Chandler or Jeffrey Hunter. I think it was Jeff. Ch- Jeff Chandler was the Jew. Right, he was. Okay, wait, who plays the Jew? <laughs> Jeff Chandler was <laughs> okay. a Jew. Okay, in person, and um, when Sammy Davis Jr. got into the really bad car accident where he lost his eye, and he was in a coma for God knows how long, uh, the story has it that Jeff Chandler went to him, he was unconscious, and and he was making a fist. So he pushed a little star of David in his hand, and when he finally woke up out of the coma, he had, like, the imprint of the star of David on the palm of his hand, and that's what made him convert to Judaism. Is that a true story? That That's the story I heard. As far as that. we're concerned. Yeah. <laughs> It's, wow. it's too good a story not to be. Where did you find that? I, uh, I Someone s- told you. Yeah, probably the same one, same guy who told me about Cesar Romero. Okay, I oh, haven't told Ira. this story a while. Oh, God. Well, Cesar Ira, Romero. Ira's a fan of the old Batman series. Yeah. Okay. He'll appreciate this. Okay. Okay. You'll never watch it the same way ever again. Okay. Cesar Romero... <laughs> Oh, no. Where is this going? Not to a good place. He had a very ugly place. (laughs) 
he, he, you know, he's always the romantic Latin lover. Yes. But in real life, he was gay. And, uh, you know, no. Good for him. Who cares? Right. Uh, but it couldn't just be ordinary gay. This was old Hollywood. So what I heard he was into was he'd gather up these boy toys and <laughs> he'd stand there in the middle of them. They'd form a circle. He'd stand in the middle of them. Some people say he stood ankle deep in warm <laughs> oh water. Oh, my God. I'm covering my face because yeah. I, I don't even want to know where this I, goes. I just okay. heard this recently okay. that he, he stood ankle deep in warm water to uh-huh. add. Yeah. And, and, First of all, and what, whatever. Should... Wait, can we just pause for a second? Like, <laughs> like a what, whatever is about to happen. How much setup is this sexual act taking? Yes, you need like oh, well, you need like a, you need like a bunch of guys. You need like something to hold the warm water in. Somebody has to warm up the water yeah. and put it into the yeah. like. Who's the person who does? It? Do you do that yourself? Do you make one of the guys do that? He was a job creator. Yeah, he was a job creator. Okay, all right. So he's standing there, na- naked. And, yes, naked. And or, or he just pulls down his pants and underwear. Either way, it's naked. Okay. Okay. And the boy toys. Oh no! <laughs> their where are we going? job is to throw orange wedges at his ass. Some people have said tangerine wedges. That's the only <laughs> wait, argument. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> orange wedges. <laughs> wait, orange wedges. Like you take an orange. Yeah. And you yeah. just throw the orange wedge at his yeah. ass. Yeah. yeah. See, I want to know. Why do we believe? What, what, do, I, what is that even? What is that I want to know. Wait, and, and does he get off that way? Is he yes. touching himself? Are other people touching him? I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but see, what I want to know details. is when did Cesar Romero wake up and go, ooh, you know, it would feel great. <laughs> <laughs> Orange wedges, full force on my ass. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a photo, a coffee table book, and it's going to be nothing but photos of our guests reacting. Just stills. Reacting. Oh, my God. If Iris fans could see the look on oh his face. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you know about... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't go there. That doesn't even make any sense. That doesn't make sense. Wait, and then the orange wedges fall into the water? Like Maybe. Like, yeah. It depends with what force they well, that's a really good point. You know, I think that like the dude, you want it with some force, right? <laughs> yes, yes you totally of course. Like, well, like you know, it's just like a pad. You don't lob him under him. I would think. And is it an orange wedge because it's just going to smell nice at the end? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, you feel sort of gross, but you're just like, I smell pretty fresh. And you get vitamin C. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I, I'm sure a few times Caesar would yell out, "Hey, you threw that way too wimpy." Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I want a bruise. You'll never, you'll never see Batman the same way again. No, the original series. No. Another. Speaking of, we were talking about the Poseidon Adventure, and speaking of aquatic films. <laughs> yes. How's that, how's that for a clumsy segue? Well, Caesar oh, Romero. We talked about this before. Well, you in, and I talked about this before. He, he, he stood in warm water. <laughs> That's an aquatic. Uh, Ira is a fan of the incredible Mr. Limpet. Well, you were asking me, Frank, before we came on, like, yeah. what's a, what's a, what are movies that I remember from when I was a kid? And, yeah. and, and I remember being completely terrified by that movie, like nightmarishly really? terrified by the incredible Mr. Limpet. And it only occurred to me years later is it's not supposed to be scary. Like, I, I, when I was a little boy, I went with my parents 
to see the incredible Mr. Don Knotts yeah. and Jack Weston. Yeah. And did they show it all day long in the same theater? No, they changed the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right afterwards. <laughs> Okay. They show Julia. Uh-huh. <laughs> Julia! Yeah, yeah. Really? And the turning point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the sorrow and the pity, and then the incredible Mr. Olympic. Comes back up. <laughs> they showed... They and showed... You- the Incredible Mr. Limpet, and then uh, an hour later, they would show Children of a Lesser God. <laughs> <laughs> it's great that you have those jokes at your fingertips. <laughs> it, it and, is and, a little... and, and were you ter- like, I remember being terrified by it. Like, Don Knotts, uh, nobody has seen that. Like, this is yeah. such an obscure movie, but like, it's not that obscure. It's they, not really. They they're going to remake it a couple years ago with Jim Carrey. He'd be good. Yeah. They, but, they, like, it's a guy who, who basically becomes a fish. Yeah. And wears his glasses as a fish. When he's a fish, he's a cartoon. Oh, yes. And uh, and looks a lot like Don Knotts. And uh, and uh, I just remember being terrified. It seems so real that you could become a fish. I wish I were a fish. Fish have a better life than people. I wish. I wish. I wish I were a fish, cause fishes have a better life than people. They don't have all the care and strife of people. A fish can swim, that's all they ask of him. A fish is free to roam around the sea and look for love wherever he can find it. He flirts with every lady fish as she goes swimming by. And if she gives her tail a swish and winks a fishy eye, a minnow all at once can be a whale of a guy. I wish, I wish I were a fish. Henry, the water! Oh, what a mess! I think I'm a few years younger than you. Maybe not. Yeah. I bet we might be exactly the same age. Yipes. See, I, you know what scared me when I was a kid? On the Abbott and Costello TV show, when, uh, when, uh, uh, oh, oh, Jesus, uh, uh, oh, Joe Stinky, Stinky. Yeah, when Joe Bessa would show up as Stinky and he'd be this grown man in a little kid's outfit, he used used to scare me. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait, and is it, and what was it? Like, do you know, like, what it was? I don't know. It just seemed wrong. It just seemed wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that o- is the most almost, profound thing you can say. That's so deep. Like, it just seemed wrong. You know about Danny Kay and Lawrence Olivier, right? <laughs> no. This is going to have to be okay. a whole other show. All right. See, one time, Lawrence Olivier was coming into some country. Uh, Danny Kay was already there. So Danny Kay put on a whole outfit like he's some French guard and he goes, uh, you, monsieur, go into this room. And he takes him in there and he makes Lawrence Olivier undress. And then he examines him by sticking his finger in Lawrence Olivier's asshole. And uh, then then he his mustache falls off and he and Danny have a big laugh about this. Now, this story was told by Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, see? Okay. Who, who had worked with Olivier. So this one could be true. Oh, wow. See, so, so 
when Wait, you, they're at the airport or something? Yes, and like yes. The plane has come in, and Danny Kaye is so famous <laughs> yes. that he says— He's allowed to go into to security. Do security. Yes. He's at customs. They've yes. given him a customs agent uniform and so to harass— When you see either Lawrence Olivier well, or Danny Kaye, you know they had their fingers in each other's asses. Well, that's that's really good to know. That is that is the definition of a showstopper. Are they are these men? Are they gay? Well, the no, no, they were real he men, and, and as as macho he men often do, they stick their finger in another guy's ass. There were rumors. You know, these are these are these are showbiz stories. These are old saws. Who knows how much truth? But Malcolm McDowell, a reputable actor, did tell this on television. So okay, the Cesar Romero story has no merit whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> this one may have some validity to it. This is so like I don't know why this is coming to mind, but it just like reminds me of how like like you can't libel a dead man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's good for all of us. We do our best. <laughs> which is why which is why I bring up the Danny Thomas story. <laughs> Allegedly, what Danny He's gotta Thomas, know that one. No, I don't know what we're you talking about. You don't know yet. that. Well, what's How the story? are you in show business? I'm in public broadcasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in a Danny tiny Thomas. little island on the side of show like show business is like a huge continent and then off. There's a little island off the South Carolina coast where, like, you know, the Gullah people used to live, and that's where public radio is. <laughs> Danny Thomas used to hire hookers, and uh, and depending on who you hear the story from, some people say he wore a priest outfit when this took place, and he would lie under a glass coffee table. Allegedly. And, and these, these hookers would shit on the table. Wait, and that that would be exciting. <laughs> and then and then like and like okay, so many questions. So from the from the hooker's point of view, yes, is he always going to the same service? So they know they tell the lady like, listen, have a big meal beforehand. <laughs> no, seriously, have a big meal. Yes, have the triple whopper. Uh, like, how do you organize? I'm just, I'm starting to produce all these things in my head. So, how do you like organize that for the man? The Mac definitely with cheese. <laughs> oh Lord! It's a glass table. Yes. So it's got to be pretty heavy glass because the. I she love standing, that he approaches this as a problem solver. So she's standing on the table. She's standing on the table that she's pooping on, right? Yes. Right. So she's standing on it. So it's got to support her weight. And she, it has and to be like, a table that can't wobble or she'd break her neck. Right. But yeah. also has to be tall enough that he can be underneath it. Yes. And then, and then, <laughs> is she in sort of like, is she squat? I guess she's squatting. Uh, yeah. 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 I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think it through. Yes. Of course, as one would. Uh, I got nothing. I'll, I'll try to clean up the show and take us out, Ira. You want to tell us quickly about uh, your experience working with Yoko? Oh, that was a very random thing to have happened. I, I've been I've been doing this show 
which when I describe it, it's going to sound awful. I swear it was good. Where where we've we've toured all over the country. We went to the we performed at the Sydney Opera House. We performed in London, and it's and it's me and two dancers, and I tell stories, and they dance, and then sometimes I dance with them. And we did a little bit of it at Carnegie Hall, like we did a little like twelve minute excerpt of it for somebody's benefit. Um, and uh, and one of Yoko Ono's producers was at the benefit, and Yoko was looking for bad dancers to be in a video for her song, Bad Dancer, which is from her latest album. And they're like, I think we have a bad dancer you could hire. <laughs> I found like, the guy. I got the call. And then uh, and then I mean, there was a really weird gig. Like, it's like one of those really weird gigs where, like, where, like, you show up. You must have this. You, I feel like your world of show business is, I feel like you must get into such weird, random situations. So this is the most random one I've ever had, where they're like, okay, you're going to go to this place. And I think it was, like, one of the Beastie Boys was producing it and, and, and like, literally sitting next to me in the makeup chairs was, was Roberta Flack. And then you just think, like, I wow. didn't even know you were still – you don't say it. Like, yeah. I didn't know you were still alive. <laughs> but, like, Roberta Flack. Wow. You know what I mean? And then, like – and then just, like – and it was sort of, like, one person after another and and then and then I met Yoko Ono, who was incredibly gracious and said to me, she said, um, she said, uh, she said, thank you for your work, which I thought either meant that she knows my work or she doesn't know my work. Those are the two possibilities. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think probably the latter. And uh, and then there was a part of it where you dance alone. There's a part of it where you improv dance with Yoko Ono. And then Yoko Ono was sort of game to do whatever. So we just improv. She was sort of yes and anything I would try. And she's a very uh, slight, short, older lady. Like she's an older lady for sure. I mean, she yeah. might be 80. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And she was always older than him. And, and he, she never knew who uh, John Lennon was. That's she said that in oh, when when they met when they met she yeah. had no I mean there was nobody more famous on the planet. Well, it's so than interesting you say that because because I have a, my cousin is Philip Glass the composer and 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 uh, and I was telling him this story. Oh about, wait before yeah. before I forget when some <laughs> when when I was told Ira Glass yes is going to be on the show next week I with my knowledge. I go, oh, he's the composer, isn't he? Aww. <laughs> and Gil, then, Gilbert, the, you've been to the studio where yes, I work. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> and then I thought you were character actor Ned Glass. <laughs> you don't expect him to put two and two together, do you? No, no, no. no. But anyway, like, so, so Philip, yes. So Philip, like, was part of the like New York art scene in the '60s and '70s, and he was he was composing back then, and and uh, and so he knew Yoko as a performance artist, and for him, Yoko Ono is famous because of that. And then for, he also has the same perspective. And, like, he knows who John Lennon is. He knows who the Beatles are. But he also, when he thinks of Yoko, he thinks of her as, like, as her, as, like, this, as this like, Japanese performance artist who apparently was kind of amazing at that. And, uh, yeah, like, his whole take on her was, like, is, like, the upside-down world version where she's the famous one and John Lennon is the sort of secondary character. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Like, just like hers. And I remember when I saw Let It Be in the theater – Two hours later, they showed Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Perfect rap. Okay. okay. Bravo. I don't mind being a stooge for the uh, for the closer. 
<laughs> but but did you have to be Curly Joe Dorita? <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Well, at least I wasn't scared of Joe Besser. Yes. <laughs> very funny. So, are we wrapping up? We should. Yeah. Let this, this man has a very busy life. And what is it that you do again? <laughs> exactly. Yes. His podcast. Oh. His podcast is more successful than this one will ever be. I that's what you. Me. That's all you need to know. <laughs> a a two-year-old girl in her basement has a more successful <laughs> podcast than this will ever be. Go uh, oh, tell us what what's coming up or what you want to plug. Yeah, um, uh, I have a podcast, This American Life, um, and uh, and uh, and uh, the film that I that I worked on that I produced, Don't Think Twice, yes, still in theaters everywhere. With the very funny Mike Burbiglia. Yeah, very very funny. What what do they show right after? Don't think twice. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Don't think twice. And then the Bowery Boys Look, in a haunted they house. They show five Planet of the Apes movies in one day. That's the part that I left out. <laughs> that, would, that was the essential part. Very funny. Okay. So this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, once again recording at Dudmeg with our engineer, Frank Ferdorosa. Thank you, Frank. And we have been talking to Ira Glass. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure being here. And and you've learned more stuff about show business. I have learned so much about show business, yeah. Feel, feel free to talk about it on your show. I will, thank yeah. you. <laughs> feeling but you it, won't. But it's NPR, so you'll 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 go. We'll try to fact check it. Yeah, yeah. But and, and since that, it's NPR, yeah. you'll have to say the hookers with shit on the last <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting up with us, thank Ira. You. I had it was fun. fun. Good. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and thanks again to today's sponsor, the Harold Ramis Film School, which is part of the Second City in Chicago, the first film school in the world dedicated entirely to comedic storytelling. They're accepting applications now for their year-long program. So whatever your experience level or background may be, if you love comedy and content creation, the Harold Ramis Film School is for you. For more information, visit their website, ramisfilmschool.com. Or call 312-664-3959.